0: Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermons Podcast. Today's sermon features business administrator and Bible teacher, Michael Sullivan, and it was recorded on Sunday, June 12th. Thanks for tuning in. We'd love the chance to connect with you, so drop us a line at info at And if you're in the area, join us this Sunday on campus at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and come say hi in person. Or you can even send us an email to learn about our ways to connect here with life-changing community here at FaithBridge during the week as well. And as always, you can join us right here for FaithBridge Online at faithbridge.org live. Here's Sully. Does anybody else's life sync up with that video? I mean, seriously, doesn't life feel like that sometimes? Like you are stretched so thin that there's not enough of you to go around. And if one more thing, if one more thing gets added to your plate, you're gonna blow off the side of a cliff like my friend Scrat. I'm sure some of you are thinking, well, Sully, that is exactly how my life feels, particularly those of you who are parents in the room. We've just wrapped up another school year, which tends to bring more activity than ever. It typically goes something like this. You've got one kid who needs to be at a graduation, another who wants to be at an end of school uh, swim party that starts at the exact same time. Once those end, you've got to get the first kid to a year-end dance recital, the other one to a playoff baseball game. And of course, that's totally in a different direction and across town, so that takes you a while. And then that doesn't include the household you're trying to maintain, right? The laundry doesn't tend to fold itself. Food doesn't put itself on the table. I mean, really, as a parent, don't you just wish there were more hours in the day? Maybe for you, it's not home life, but it's work life. I mean, there's so many shortages right now, understaffed. Many people who are faced with work deadlines, lots of projects, and and the last two years has been hard as a leader. There's things that you're trying to solve, more problems than ever. And you keep thinking, if there's one more thing that comes up, I'm gonna blow off the side of a cliff. Or maybe for you, you're an empty nester, and you're in a different season of life. Maybe it's a joyous occasion. Maybe one of your children is getting married and so you're in charge of, of wedding planning or helping with that. And that's fun, but man, that can be a bit stressful. Or maybe it's something more sobering. Maybe as an empty nester, you're caring for an aging parent and you're figuring out what does assisted living look like? Doctor's appointments that you've got to get to. I mean, really life can feel really thin sometimes. And maybe it's not scheduling. Maybe it's financial for you. I mean, gas prices. Wow. Those are high. Filled up my Nissan Altima the other day and thought I was gonna have to take out a loan. I mean, seriously. And because gas prices are high, groceries are high. I mean, everything's high in the stock market. Well, that's not exactly booming right now. Then you just booked that vacation and that wasn't cheap. And then it seems about that moment, right? It's always then that The AC breaks, get a flat tire, something comes up and you start looking at your bank account and you think, man, there's just not enough bucks to go around. I can tell you that the Sullivan family, we are not immune to those feelings. Uh, Hopefully you've seen the video announcement by now, uh, but Jill and I are going to be moving to Abilene, Texas at the end of this year. If that was a bombshell that just got dropped on you, I apologize. You can go to faithbridge.org Sullivan's and we've got a, a 10 minute video that we recorded kind of sharing a lot of the details behind that. I'm not gonna linger on that long uh, because every time I talk about it, I start crying. Uh, and so if I did that, this sermon would get weird. So uh, I will say this, uh, part of the God sighting, part of the confirmation for Jill and I making that decision is that God provided a house in Abilene. Uh, And so we've been kind of busy lately maintaining a house in a town six hours away, Uh, and it's a a little bit of a fixer-upper. The yard had not been maintained very well, lots of branches and, and leaves to rake, and so we've been making trips Uh, with our daughter Hadley and and working on that house. And then of course, when we come back to spring, we start decluttering and and trying to pack things away and think about listing our house later this year. And So we've kind of felt like that video stretched over here, stretched over there, and that doesn't include work or parenting Hadley, I mentioned her a minute ago. She is almost a year old in a few weeks, and I would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity to show some cute pictures. So check out Hadley, there she is. So life with Hadley is wonderful. She is so full of joy. She is so cute, I must say. And life is an adventure right now. Uh, For any of you parents in the room, you probably remember the early years and know what I'm saying when I say life is an adventure. Right now, Hadley's sole responsibility is to find all of the places in our house that could result in an ER visit. So she's going around, crawling, pulling up on things, trying to fall near the corner of a sharp coffee table. Uh, And she's really close to walking. And what she likes to do is stand for about 10 to 15 seconds. And she's like real wobbly. And of course, she doesn't wanna do that over the carpet, just over the bathroom tile where she could crack her head open. So Jill and I are experiencing this this reality where long gone are those days where you could just kind of like keep an eye on her from a distance. Now, if you take an eye off her, she's across the room and headed towards danger. And so for us, When we look at our lives right now, we wish there was one more hour in the day, particularly for sleep. Uh, And you know, the reason I start there this morning is because we're gonna look at a passage today where the disciples are feeling all of those things. They're feeling the exact same way. And so I'm gonna invite the ushers forward in all of our rooms. So why don't you grab a Bible on your device, turn to Luke chapter nine. That's where we're gonna be today. And I'll tell you, this story in Luke is a, an interesting one. It's unique uh, in that it appears in all four books of the Bible that detail Jesus's life. Uh, in our Bible, that's called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the gospels, the, the stories that, that make up the life of Jesus. And this one is unique because it appears in all four gospels. It's one of about a dozen stories that does that. And so as we read today, we're going to anchor in Luke chapter 9, but I'm going to pull in several references for Matthew and Mark's account because it's going to give us some extra details. So with that, let's look at this text together. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 10. It says, When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. Now let's stop right there for just a second and kind of set the scene for this story. So it says that the disciples returned, which begs the question, returned from where? So if you jump back up in Luke chapter 9, what you're going to find is that the disciples have been on a mission trip of sorts. Jesus has sent them out and he's instructed them to do two things. He wants them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And so the disciples have been going village to village, town to town, doing both of these things. They're proclaiming the kingdom of God, which is what Jesus would do. He would go around and he would tell people, hey, this is what God is like. This is who he is. He is a God of compassion. He is merciful. He draws near to the brokenhearted. Uh, He's a God that's for the rich and the poor, the outcast and the popular. He's a God for everybody. And so the disciples were going around and they were proclaiming this good news. And then they were also healing the sick, casting out demons. They were on a mission trip. And I don't know if you've had the opportunity to go on a mission trip or not. We're in the middle of mission season here at Faithbridge. I mentioned the road just a few moments ago, uh, and I was actually speaking to Michael Frinka, who's one of the directors of the road there in Brazil right now. Uh, we've got trips in Alaska. We've got trips in Galveston, Lubbock, all across the U.S. Lots of students, lots of adults going out. And here's what I can tell you about mission trips, because I've had the chance to go on a few. I've been to France and to India and a few places around the U.S. They are one of the most fulfilling things that you can do. Really challenging spiritually. You go to another place and you get to see God do amazing things, incredible things. You get to serve in another community and invest, and God teaches you things about yourself, and he opens your eyes to things he's doing in other contexts. It's a really rich experience, and I would encourage you, if you ever get the opportunity, go with the road, go on a mission trip. But I'll give you a warning. It is incredibly exhausting. As I mentioned a moment ago, It involves travel. Uh, For me, it's been overseas, which means you're typically dealing with jet lag, right? Uh, If you're not dealing with jet lag, you probably left early in the morning. And when you get there, you hit the ground running. You wake up early in the morning, you stay up later than the average college student. And so you don't get a lot of sleep when you're on these mission trips. And not only that, when you do get to sleep, you're really lucky if there's a bed. And if there is a bed, it's typically not a sleep number mattress that you're sleeping on. It's like a piece of cardboard. And so for me, when I get back from these trips, there's two things that I want to do. I want to go to Uncle Julio's and I want to sleep for about a week. And that's exactly how the disciples are feeling as we enter into this text. In fact, if you look at Mark's account of this story, he's going to tell us that the disciples were so busy on these trips that they rarely had a chance to eat. And not only that, when they get back to Jesus, he takes one look at him and he says, "'Come with me by yourselves.'" to a quiet place and let's get some rest. And so we learned from Mark that that Jesus and his 12 disciples, they load up on a boat and they set sail to what Luke tells us is Bethsaida. And what we know about Bethsaida, if you look on a map, it's a remote place. It's out in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing else really around it. Kind of like Abilene where Jill and I are moving to, come to think of it. And and so there's not a a lot around. It would be a great place, place to take a vacation to refresh, to refill. And so we pick the story back up with that in mind. And Luke tells us in verse 11, but the crowds learned about it and they followed him. And not just followed him. If you look at Mark's account of this story, he tells us with some extra detail that many who saw them leaving in the boat recognized them and they ran on foot from all of the towns and got there ahead of them. And so when Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. But can you imagine for just a second the look on the disciples' faces? I mean, here they are thinking they're headed for a vacation of sorts. They pull up to Bethsaida and it tells us that there's a crowd waiting for them. They're trying to get away from the action, away from the crowds that they've been battling. And there's a crowd waiting. Uh, And it says in the text that that Jesus looked at this crowd and he had compassion. But I just imagine that the look on the disciples' faces was one that looked deflated. And, And so the disciples, they start looking at this crowd and they realize something. This crowd, it says in Mark's gospel that it's large. That is a massive understatement. If you skip down in the text, we're gonna learn that there are 5,000 men present. And Matthew, in his gospel, he was an accountant. Accountants tend to to give you a little more extra detail. He says in his gospel, it wasn't just 5,000 men. That number did not include women and children. And so most scholars believe that this crowd was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 20,000 people. A massive crowd that's waiting for them. And if you pick the text back up, what we learn is that the disciples, when they get to Bethsaida, they do not get to rest. They get to work because the text tells us that Jesus begins to teach the people and he begins to heal those who needed healing. And so again, I want you to just imagine for a moment, what do you think the disciples were doing when they got off onto the shore? They were probably organizing the crowd. They were saying, hey, if you need healing, you're going to line up over here. If you want to hear Jesus teach, you're going to line up over here. He's going to preach this direction. And you're trying to organize this crowd because we know from other texts that typically when the crowds would come, they were surrounding Jesus. So they're probably trying to organize, keep things uh, from getting into a dispute. And you know, they're, they're doing all this and it's about that time when one of the disciples starts to have a little rumble in his stomach. He's hungry and he realizes something. We didn't eat lunch. It's about to be dinner time. This crowd, there's no dinner around here for them. And so the disciples realizing this, they go to Jesus and we pick the text back up in verse 12, where it says, late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and the countryside and find food and lodging because we're in the middle of a remote place here. And look at Jesus' response in verse 13. He says, you give them something to eat. <laughs> that was the moment. That was the moment where the disciples blew off the side of the cliff because they're looking and they're like, we're exhausted. We have been spread so thin and we do not have the resources to feed this crowd. And so they, they realize, you know, Jesus, he's out of touch. Let me explain this situation to you, Jesus. So they say, we have five loaves and two fish unless we go buy food for this entire crowd. So translation, they go to Jesus, they say, hey Jesus, I know you've been you know, over here healing people. You tend to do that on an individual basis. And so you probably haven't looked up in a while to notice, but the crowd here today, it's massive. There are thousands of people here and we've been working the crowd. We've been in the crowd and here's what we found. There are five loaves of bread and two fish, AKA a snack for about three people. There's thousands here and oh, Jesus, if we were going to go buy food, first off, it would take us a while because we're in the middle of nowhere. But if we did, let's just say we did, it would be a half a year's wages to pay for all that food And Jesus. I don't know if you remember this or not, but when we, the disciples, left to, to follow you, we kind of left everything behind. We don't have half a year's wages. I mean, this is what the disciples are thinking. This is what they're experiencing. And really, when you think about it, it's a pretty natural Human response. They've got this problem in front of them, and they're thinking about how can I solve this problem? How can we make the ends meet? And you know, really, when I look at my own life, I tend to do the exact same thing. It was about two months ago now. Jill and I had just made one of those trips to Abilene, and like I said, the yard needs quite a bit of work, and so we were raking leaves and, and in a dusty house and. Uh, we came back and I mean, I was exhausted. We drove six hours home with a baby, which is a treat. And, uh, you know, I'm feeling pretty tired, but we have to get up and go to work the next day. And so I come into the office and, you know, my allergies are kind of bothering me, but I mean, we'd been raking leaves. So, you know, normal, right? then I started feeling like I had a fever and you can probably guess where this is headed, uh, but I tested positive for COVID. And not just me, but Jill and Hadley all at the same time. And so you can imagine what the Sullivan household looked like. It was Jill and I both trying to work remotely, uh, trying to care for Hadley. uh, And let's just say sleep wasn't really happening. I had a horrible cough. So I was up at night for several hours coughing. And then it seemed like just about the moment when I would fall asleep, Hadley would wake up. And there were two or three nights there where she was up for hours and there was nothing we could do. And, And, you know, in those moments... I wish I could say that I just turned to the Lord, that I surrendered my situation to him, but that's not what I did. In fact, I just started working a little harder. I'm like, if we can just push through this, you know, positive attitude. I started Googling every remedy known to man to make a sick baby sleep. And let me just tell you, there's none out there that work. Uh, I mean, it was a scene in the Sullivan household. And I just remember one night, I was laying there in bed, coughing, I've been up for a while, and I just started thinking about this story. And in particular, I was thinking about Matthew's account of this story. In this moment where the disciples are are spread so thin, they don't have the answer to the problem, Jesus extends to them an invitation. He looks at the, the five loaves of bread, and he looks at the two fish, and he says this, bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. And you know, I wonder this morning, how many of us need that invitation? How many of us are carrying things right now, stressing about things right now that we've been holding back? We've tried everything we know to do to solve the problem. And the invitation on the table this morning is from Jesus. And he's just saying, hey, bring it here to me. That medical diagnosis, that bill that you can't pay, That that child that seems so far from God, your work situation that's feeling so hopeless, your schedule that has way too many to-do items on it, or maybe it's just managing summer break, which hasn't felt anything like a break at this point. Jesus is looking at you today, and he's saying, bring it here to me. It's what the disciples end up doing, and we'll finish out the story here picking it back up in verse 14, but he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And the disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. You know, there's two things I love about the end of this story. The first thing I love is that the disciples had to make multiple trips back to Jesus to distribute the food. I mean, think about the math for just a second here. We've just said earlier, there's probably 10,000 people in this crowd and Jesus has them sit down in groups of 50. So if you do the math on that, that means there's about 200 of these groups spread out across a hillside. And there's 12 disciples which meant that the disciples would have been going to Jesus, getting a basket full of food, and then taking it to a group of 50, emptying the basket, and then go back to Jesus to get another basket full of food, back to the people. Over and over again, they would have been doing this. And the reason I love that, is because so many times in our lives, it's easy to surrender a situation to Jesus on Sunday, and then pick it right back up on Monday. It takes multiple reps for us going back to Jesus, surrendering our situation back to Jesus. And I think that's what he was doing with the disciples. He was reminding them, I'm your source. I'm the one who can carry your burden. I'm the one who can solve your problems. And we need that reminder. I mean, again, I wish I could say that since the COVID experience that life has just been easy in the Sullivan household, but it it hasn't. In fact, I would say we might be more busy now than we were back then. And and so for me, what I'm learning as it's making these trips back to Jesus, what that looks like for me is Psalm 25 one. Psalm 25 one says, "In you Lord, my God, I put my trust. And so for me, I've got to get up each morning or when something stressful comes my way and I just have to declare, in you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. And then verse five, Psalm 25, five says, "Uh, guide me in your truth. Teach me for you are God, my savior. And my hope is in you all day long. It's to declare, God, I trust you. No matter what comes my way, No matter what situation pops up in my life, God, I trust you and my hope is in you all day long. And so I want to encourage you this week as you surrender your situation to Jesus, you might need to make multiple trips back to Him. And that's okay, that's what the disciples did. That's the first thing I love about this story. The second thing I love is that at the very end it says that they all ate and were satisfied. And I'm sure that that all in the verse is mainly talking about the crowd, but I believe that it's also talking about the disciples. You know, the disciples start this story and they are worn out. They are exhausted. They're in need of a break. But what's awesome is at the end of this story, they end full of peace and satisfied. And what's so interesting about that is that it happens in a way totally different than they would have expected. I mean, here they are thinking they're going to a solitary place and it's the exact opposite. And that's because Jesus knew what they truly needed. Jesus knew that they didn't just need some rest. What they needed was to put their trust fully in him. And so I don't know what's gonna happen when you bring your situation to Jesus. There's two things we see in this text. Number one, that that he's capable. He can do a miracle. I mean, he just multiplied, multiplied a few loaves of bread and fish and fed thousands of people. He can do that. He can heal you if you need healing. He can mend a marriage. He can mend a broken relationship. He can provide a job when it doesn't seem like there are any jobs available. He can do that. He can provide a miracle, but he may not. In this situation, he had a different answer to the problem. And so for you, I don't know what's gonna happen when you bring your situation, but this is what I know. No matter what the outcome is, when we entrust our situations to him, he provides peace and satisfaction. That's what we see in the text. And I love the way the psalmist says it in Psalm twenty-nine, eleven. He says, the Lord gives strength to his people and he blesses his people with peace. And that's my prayer for us this morning. That for each of us here that we would bring our situations to Jesus. That we would entrust our situations to him and that he would bring us peace. And so friends, I want us to close this morning doing something a little bit different. I want us to close this morning doing just that. And so what I want you to do right now is just picture whatever it is that's burdening you right now, whatever it is that's stressing you out. And maybe for you, it might be helpful if you just wrote that thing down on a connect card, typed it down in your phone, or maybe you just want to picture it in the palm of your hand. And every one of us has something that's weighing us down. It doesn't matter how big or how small you think your thing is. God is capable. God wants to know what is it that's weighing you down right now. And not only that, it doesn't matter what your situation is compared to the person on your left or right. Whatever it is that's on your mind right now, why don't you just picture that thing in your hand? And now I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine taking that thing and giving it to Jesus. Maybe for you, you want to picture taking that thing and setting it at the foot of the cross. Maybe for you, you want to picture the person of Jesus with hands extended towards you and you bringing it to him. That's the invitation this morning, to bring it here to Jesus. Maybe for you, it would be helpful if you've got that thing in the palm of your hand just to turn your palm over and to release that thing into the hands of Jesus. And then what I want us to do together as a church is I want us to declare Psalm 25, one together. The media team's gonna put that verse back up on the screen and all together, I want us to declare this truth. So would you declare this with me even right now? In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. Let's do that again together. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. And now, friends, what I want to invite you to do is we're going to close in prayer. And if you would, in a posture of just receiving, would you put out your hands? And I just want to pray God's peace and satisfaction over you this morning. So if you would extend your hands in front of you, whether you're in the live service, online, communion, as you feel comfortable, why don't you do that? And, Father God, I just pray right now, Lord, would you bring your peace? Would you bring your satisfaction God, I don't know what the situations are in this room, but Lord, you do. You number the hairs on our heads. So Lord, you know each and every situation that's stressing and burdening each of us. And God, this morning, I just want to pray, Lord, would you move? God, we just saw you do a miracle. And we know, we've been reading about Jesus doing miracles for weeks now. God, where there's healing needed, would you bring healing? Even right now, this morning. God, we've seen all throughout scripture where just a touch from Jesus heals somebody. God, in a real way, would you touch those who need healing this morning? Where marriages need mending, God, would you speak to the hearts of husbands and wives this morning? For the kid who's far away, God, would you draw them back to yourself? Would you move in powerful ways even today? But Lord, more than anything, no matter what outcome is coming for us, God, we just ask for your peace and your satisfaction. God, would your peace fall like rain over this room, over the communion venue, over those watching online? God, would you bring your peace, bring your satisfaction? God, you have peace that surpasses understanding. Even in the midst of difficult things, Lord, God, would you bring your peace? We ask for that in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen.